Our first reading is from Genesis 21, verses 1 to 21. Now the Lord was gracious to Sarah, as he had said, and the Lord did for Sarah what he had promised. Sarah became pregnant and bore a son to Abraham in his old age, at the very time God had promised him. Abraham gave the name Isaac to the son Sarah bore him. When his son Isaac was eight days old, Abraham circumcised him, as God commanded him. Abraham was a hundred years old when his son Isaac was born to him. Sarah said, God has brought me laughter, and everyone who hears about this will laugh with me. And she added, who would have said to Abraham that Sarah would nurse children? Yet I have borne him a son in his old age. The child grew and was weaned, and on the day Isaac was weaned, Abraham held a great feast. But Sarah saw that the son whom Hagar the Egyptian had borne to Abraham was mocking. And she said to Abraham, get rid of that slave woman and her son, for that woman's son will never share in the inheritance of my son Isaac. The matter distressed Abraham greatly because it concerned his son. But God said to him, do not be so distressed about the boy and your slave woman. Listen to whatever Sarah tells you, because it is through Isaac that your offspring will be reckoned. I will make the son of the slave into a nation also, because he is your offspring." Early the next morning, Abraham took some food and a skin of water and gave them to Hagar. He set them on her shoulders and then sent her off with the boy. She went on her way and wandered in the desert of Beersheba. When the water in the skin was gone, she put the boy under one of the bushes. Then she went off and sat down about a bowshot away, for she thought, I cannot watch the boy die. And as she sat there, she began to sob. God heard the boy crying. And the angel of God called to Hagar from heaven and said to her, What is the matter, Hagar? Do not be afraid. God has heard the boy crying as he lies there. Lift the boy up and take him by the hand, for I will make him into a great nation. Then God opened her eyes and she saw a well of water. So she went and filled the skin with water and gave the boy a drink. God was with the boy as he grew up. He lived in the desert and became an archer. While he was living in the desert of Paran, His mother got a wife for him from Egypt. And our next reading is from Galatians 4, verses 8 to 31. Formerly, when you did not know God, you were slaves to those who by nature are not gods. But now that you know God, or rather are known by God, how is it that you are turning back to those weak and miserable forces? Do you wish to be enslaved by them all over again? You are observing special days and months and seasons and years. I fear for you that somehow I have wasted my efforts on you. I plead with you, brothers and sisters, become like me, for I became like you. You did me no wrong. As you know, it was because of an illness that I first preached the gospel to you. And even though my illness was a trial to you, you did not treat me with contempt or scorn. Instead, you welcomed me as if I were an angel of God, as if I were Christ Jesus himself. Where then is your blessing of me now? I can testify that if you could have done so, you would have torn out your eyes and given them to me. Have I now become your enemy by telling you the truth? Those people are zealous to win you over, but for no good. What they want is to alienate you from us so that you may have zeal for them. It is fine to be zealous, uh, yes, it is fine to be zealous, provided the purpose is good and to be so always, not just for when I am with you. My dear children, for whom I am again in the pains of childhood, until Christ is formed in you, 
how I wish I could be with you now and change my tone, because I'm perplexed about you. Tell me, you who want to be under the law, are you not aware of what the law says? For it is written that Abraham had two sons, one by the slave woman and the other by the free woman. His son by the slave woman was born according to the flesh, but his son by the free woman was born as the result of a divine promise. These things are being taken figuratively. The women represent two covenants. One covenant is from Mount Sinai and bears children who are to slaves, to be slaves. This is Hagar. Now Hagar stands for Mount Sinai in Arabia and corresponds to the present city of Jerusalem because she is in slavery with her children. But the Jerusalem that is above is free and she is our mother. For it is written, be glad, barren woman, you who never bore a child, break forth and cry aloud, you who were never in labor, because more are the children of the desolate woman than of her who has a husband. Now you, brothers and sisters, like Isaac, are children of promise. At that time, the son born according to the flesh persecuted the son born by the power of the spirit. It is the same now. But what does the scripture say? Get rid of the slave woman and her son, for the slave woman's son will never share the inheritance of the, with the free woman's son. Therefore, brothers and sisters, we are not children of the slave woman, but of the free woman. Good afternoon, everyone. Thanks, Greg, always responding to me. <laughs> um, well, um, who's, I'm, I'm sure you're all excited to coming back into another season of Galatians. Um, uh, yeah, because I remember two weeks ago, Sam said that it was the end of Galatians, but it actually isn't. There's, there's still a few, few more chapters to go. Um, and uh, yeah, and, and so we're, um, I'm looking forward to exploring this passage with you. It's been an encouraging time for me as I've been reading it and thinking over it. Um, and yeah, look forward to even chat about it with you afterwards while we have some Italian. Um, you've changed, man. A close friend send that to, uh, said that to me once um, without a smile. Um, and it cut me to the heart. I hate to disappoint people, and especially when it's so disappointing that they have to come and tell me to my face that they're really disappointed at me. You may or may, or may not have uh, had that experience yourself, but you might know what it's like to be in a career path that has a negative effect on your health or your relationships, um, or a lifestyle that could draw you away from God and his people. And sometimes all it takes is one honest and loving friend who has the guts to step in and warn you to see things in perspective. Often it takes the shape of telling you to see the lies you've believed and the truths that you need to rediscover and remember to get back on track. The Apostle Paul wrote this letter to the Galatians to do exactly that. The Galatian church heard the truth, true gospel through Paul's teaching and they began their journey as Christians by trusting in Jesus Christ for their salvation. But something went wrong on their journey. They began to believe a false gospel and added Jewish religious practices to their faith. 
And in the letter, Paul uses various analogies to help them rediscover grace, the true gospel, by showing them the difference between trusting in their own strength and trusting in God's strength. And in today's passage, we see Paul pleading the Galatians to see three truths. We are known by God. We are heirs with Christ. We are children of freedom. So the first truth, we are known by God. A couple of weeks ago, we were looking at chapters 3 and 4, where Paul explained that keeping the law can't give us access into God's family. We need to be adopted by God if we are to have any chance of having any kind of connection with him. And that is precisely what God does. He adopts us out of slavery and makes us sons, heirs. Chapter 4, verse 6 says, Because you are his sons, God sent the spirit of his son Jesus into our hearts, the spirit who calls out Abba, Father. So you are no longer a slave, but God's child. And since you are his child, God has made you also an heir. God sent his son and his spirit to both rescue us eternally from the penalty of sin and the Spirit to help us live as his children now. And we can call our God Father. Paul wants the Galatians to see that this is the kind of freedom the gospel provides. But Paul has a very important point to add still. So let's read on from verse 8, and you can follow along if um, you like from your zines. Formerly, when you did not know God... You were slaves to those who, were by nature, who, who by nature are not gods. But now that you know God, or rather are known by God, how is it that you are turning back to those weak and miserable forces? Do you wish to be enslaved by them all over again? You are observing special days and months and seasons and years. I fear for you that somehow I have wasted my efforts on you. Paul is reiterating what he has been saying all along in this letter, except this time we can really understand and maybe even feel the depth of his concern. I fear for you that somehow I have wasted my efforts on you. Imagine if a friend said that to you. At first, that seems like a pretty harsh thing to say. Um, was their situation really that bad? But it helps to see it in light of what he says in verse 9. Because the kind of freedom that the gospel provides doesn't come from simply us knowing God. It comes from the privilege of being known by God. The gospel is being known by God through Jesus Christ. It is totally passive on our behalf. When we were at our farthest possible place, completely removed from thinking of him, God came to us and saved us by his grace. It is because of this that we can call him Abba Father. What makes you and I Christian or heirs with Christ isn't that somehow we've stumbled our way into, into God's family by good works, but through being adopted by him. And sadly, this letter tells us that 
the Christians in Galatia had somehow been lured in by false teachers who enticed them to believe a lie that following Jewish laws like circumcision or observing Jewish festivals makes some kind of contribution to their relationship with God. When I go running, I I love coming back home and looking at my stats on my Strava app um, or checking if, um, just to see how I've improved and checking if I've won any new trophies um, or if I've made it into the top 1,000 in my area. I'm not even close. Um, It feels good to see the results of my efforts. In fact, that's probably true in a lot of areas of my life. It feels good to, to see what I achieved in my job that time I worked till 2 a.m. It felt good to hand in a 3,000-word essay after reading something like 50,000 words of research. It felt good to see capsicums growing in my garden. How they grow is completely out of my hands, but I know I watered them every second day. Sometimes our hard work can be quite rewarding. And in the same way, it would feel good to achieve holiness by our own strength to please God. We know we can't actually achieve that, but that's a real temptation. It's the temptation to completely ignore the fact that only by grace we are saved. And it's the temptation the Galatians had given into. But Paul is asking, why? Why would you do that? He describes it in verse 9 as turning back to those weak and miserable forces. It seems these false teachers are saying that in order to actually be saved, don't just think you can just walk in for free. First become a Jew. Do the things that Jewish people do. But the law isn't to be seen as a prerequisite to being saved by Christ. In fact, it has nothing to do with it. It's like going to uni to learn how to be a pilot, but have someone tell you, oh, by the way, you need a prerequisite degree in gardening first. So in the context of coming into God's family, observing the law and being saved by Christ are completely separate things. And actually, they are against each other. To be a Christian is to trust that Jesus Christ has fulfilled the law for us by grace. So going ahead and trying to fulfill the law ourselves is is a complete disgrace to what Jesus Christ has already done. So the first truth to remember is that we are known by God through Jesus. The second truth is that we are heirs with Christ. I plead with you, Paul says in verse 12, and then he continues on speaking as a loving friend would. He loves them. He says, remember the good times that we had together. I I preached the gospel to you. And during that time, you cared for me, even in my illness. But look at you now. What has happened to you? You began the Christian journey by trusting in Christ alone. What on earth would draw you to now trust in the law instead. And in verse 16, he asks them, have I now become your enemy by telling you the truth? 
Those people are zealous to win you over, but for no good. What they want is to alienate you from us so that you may have zeal for them. It seems the false teachers are passionately working amongst the Galatians and they're trying to gain a following, to become well-known, to be reputable. But we see in verse 20, Paul is still perplexed by the decision to follow them. Why is it that they were deceived at all? What was enticing about what those false teachers were teaching? The Galatians were Gentiles. They had nothing to do with the Jewish culture or observing their laws to begin with. And Paul had preached to them the gospel that it is through Christ alone that they are justified. So why is it that this good news of freedom they they first heard was easily trumped by this false gospel, which only makes them slaves to the law? I wonder if it's because it just sounds easier. Maybe they find it hard to believe that they don't need to contribute to their salvation. There's just no tangible guarantee that way. Maybe it feels good to do religious things. It feels good to do something right today to counter all the wrong things you did yesterday. Our human hearts are inclined to want to do something to contribute to being justified before God. But that's like trying to bypass Jesus to get to God. The Bible says that Jesus Christ fulfilled the law entirely and those who believe in Jesus Christ are heirs with him. Meaning that we can't be heirs any other way. Meaning that we can't be part of God's family without being in Christ. If you remember in chapter 3, Paul said, And if you are Christ, then you are Abraham's offspring, heirs according to promise. So we are known by God. We are heirs with Christ. And the third truth, we are children of of freedom. Earlier we we read from uh, Genesis 21 from the story of Hagar and Sarah. Paul uses it here to, uh, as an analogy to explain his point. He uses the story to describe two ways of living. The first is the way of Hagar, a way that is defined by slavery. An example of someone who tries to enter God's family by their own strength. The second is the way of Sarah, a way defined by freedom. An example of someone who enters God's family by trusting in God's strength. God made promises to Abraham that he would give him and Sarah many descendants, even at their very old age. But for a while, it didn't look like God was going to be faithful to his promise. So they decided to act on it on their own strength and try to bear his children through Hagar. But God insisted that as impossible as it seemed, his promise still stands. Genesis 21 verse 1 reads, Now the Lord was gracious to Sarah, as he had said, And the Lord did for Sarah what he had promised. 
Sarah became pregnant and bore a son to Abraham in his old age at the very time God had promised him. The way of Hagar, trusting in our own strength, the way of Sarah, trusting in God's strength, Paul wants the Galatians to understand how fundamental this is to their salvation. Trusting in their own strength only brings slavery. Trusting in God's strength brings freedom. And in verse 27, Paul includes an awesome reference from Isaiah 54. At first, it might seem a little bit random to include a prophecy from something like 500 years ago about a barren and desolate woman. But Paul is using this to show how God's promise of descendants from Abraham to, to Abraham from a woman who was very old and barren is an example of God making the impossible possible. In the same way, God can make the impossible possible and save the Galatians by grace through trusting in Christ alone. Those who belong to Christ, who have been saved by him, they are made part of God's family by adoption, by God's strength, by his grace. So Paul's strong advice is this, verse 30. Get rid of the slave woman and her son, for the slave woman's son will never share in the inheritance with the free woman's son. He's talking about getting rid of the way of Hagar, the way defined by slavery. He wants the Galatian Christians to get rid of the thinking from among them entirely that they are able to come into God's family by their own strength. Therefore, he says in verse 31, Brothers and sisters, we are not children of the slave woman, but of the free woman. The third truth. Brothers and sisters, in this very room, this is true for us also. As those who confess Jesus Christ as Lord, we are known by God. We are heirs with Christ and therefore are children of freedom. And this comes from trusting only in Jesus' achievement on the cross. Perhaps you and I need to hear the same loving warning that Paul writes to the Galatians. Our temptations of trusting in our own strength are different in specifics to the Galatians, but I think they are there. Sometimes we may be tempted to think that we're not good enough to receive God's grace. So we stop trusting God's word and, and his love and his saving power. And we try to please him ourselves to somehow guarantee our salvation just in case the Bible isn't entirely true. We might sometimes unintentionally look at and compare ourselves to other Christians who look like they have it all down packed and it makes us want to imitate them to do the things that Christians do. And, and, and so somehow we could end up looking like and feeling like we've made it into God's family. All by our own strength. Friends, Paul's letter to the Galatians is an encouragement to us wherever we may find ourselves. To trust in the good news of Jesus Christ that he alone can save us.
It is something we begin to trust on our Christian journey, and it's one that we need to keep trusting at every step of this journey until the end. We are known by God. We are heirs with Christ. We are children of freedom. Let these truths be on our minds tonight and all the time. So let's pray. Father, we thank you for the Bible and we pray that you would continue to grow us in understanding of all the truths in it. That we may grow to love you more and to trust you. Help us trust in your strength to forgive us and save us. Help us continue living according to that knowledge to boast in Christ rather than our good works. Help us love and be honest with one another so that we might not give in to the temptation of not trusting in your faithfulness. And we ask that you'd protect us from false teaching so that we may never trade off the freedom you have given us by grace for the slavery of trying to earn our freedom by good works. And we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.